Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. everyone i hope you all are having a great thursday um and uh we are in the book of exodus my favorite book in the bible uh so many amazing good stories and uh we're gonna sound smart today all right how, how many of y'all ready to have like a good new word for your vocabulary um i want you all to say christophany say christophany to yourself uh, say that, like, doesn't that make you sound smart? Like, ooh, I'm going to talk about a Christophany today, right? Like you went to school uh, and all of that. And so we're going to go to school today. Um, and I'm going to tell you in a little bit uh, about what that word means and how we're really going to see a Christophany today in Exodus um, chapter three here with the burning bush. So let's pray and then let's get into the word and let's let's learn a little bit uh, of some theological terms there as we uh, dive into what God has for us in Exodus three. Uh, Lord, we just thank you this morning uh, for all that you have, uh, all that you are, uh, and all that you're going to teach us today. Lord, we just pray for your word to strike us in our heart. Um, Lord, I surrender myself as I normally do, that this be your word and not my own. Uh, teach us today, show us today, change our heart today uh, more and closer and deeper towards you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen and amen. All right, Woo. so let's get into it. Um, Exodus chapter three, reading out of the New King James, uh, as I typically do. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. When Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid and look up, to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good 
and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the <clears throat> Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to him? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you to me. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give his people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. The word of the Lord. We've got some stuff to unpack, and I told you we're going to learn that word Christophany. Um, so now we're all going to sound like educated scholars when we go back to church, right? And uh, say, so we learned about Christophany. Christophany basically means uh, that this is an appearance of Jesus prior to his um, coming to earth 
uh, in a bodily form. Otherwise, all in the Old Testament is when Jesus appears in a different way. Uh, here, Jesus is appearing as a burning bush and speaking to him. Whenever you hear or see um, the angel of the Lord, specifically the angel of the Lord, which is done a couple times back in Genesis and then here and further on, we're speaking about Jesus. Uh, you see in other uh, scriptures that it says that nobody has seen the Father. Nobody has seen the Father, but the Son gets seen. People have seen Jesus, right? We have the New Testament. We have all of that, but here we are seeing Jesus prior to, because before even Abraham, I am, as, as it says in the New Testament in John. And so Jesus is here coming to us in this burning bush. First, we kind of see, taking a quick step back, that Moses is tending the flock, not of his own, but in such a humble way, he's tending his father-in-law's flock. He's not even like owning his own uh, flock of sheep. He's caring for his father-in-law's. You know, we looked earlier that he was taken in, loved on, and also um, was able to marry one of Jethro's daughters. And he's still serving that house. He's attending to that flock. And also in such a miraculous way, we get to see the Christmas story today. We get to see a Christmas story. I love Christmas so much. And it's just so amazing that here we see in such a miraculous way a shepherd being told of great news and a great beginning to a great story. That here, just like in Jesus' birth, we see a miraculous shepherd getting told a direction to go. Here it is Moses being told to go and pull the people out of Egypt. And there it was shepherds saying, go find the baby in the manger and worship him. We see such a semblance. There's such a parallel and a, and, and a closeness when we look all throughout. And this is why one of the reasons I love the book of Exodus is there's so many stories that in here, when you really dig deep, you get to see the ministry of Jesus as well, being pre-foretold in so many different ways and symbolism here of what is to come in the New Testament. We see that being kind of the parallel, uh, the similarities uh, of these coming out. And so we see that, you know, Jesus is now talking to Moses. There's something quite amazing here is um, that we see this burning bush. We see this burning bush that um, it's not being consumed. There, there's this, I can't even imagine how that would be because um, it, you think of fire and you hear the crackle, right, in a fire. It's one of the, you know, just if you've ever sat around a fire, and I'm sure everyone has, if you haven't, um, 
I'm telling you, it's it's the greatest. Uh, it's better than TV. And just sitting there and hearing the crackle of the fire, and it's just a soothing, comforting feeling to be around one. But you won't hear that in this burning bush because the crackling is coming from the consuming of that wood. It's the fire slowly uh, disintegrating and and burning apart all of the molecules in that wood. And it's just crackling and splintering and breaking it uh, slowly as the fire consumes it. Here, you would not even hear that. It would be such a very, very silent fire, if anything, um, maybe a roar, but barely of anything. It is just this miraculous uh, spectacle that we can't even put uh, in our minds to see that a bush is just fully there it's not even being consumed. The branches are there. There's probably still leaves. And we know that normally if you burn a bush, the leaves immediately crumble and turn and burn away uh, the quickest. That's not even happening either. And we see even another parallel of Jesus right here is that he is the vine and we are the branches. Jesus, as um, John the Baptist said, that I baptize you with water, but one will come after me that will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And in fire. Jesus is the vine. And he baptizes us in fire. So good how we're just seeing more and more pictures of our risen savior and here it's a he's setting the trajectory for saving the people of israel out of bondage out of egypt but here so much that we get to look back on the completion and see jesus coming about in this We see also the Mount of uh, Horeb. I want you to understand that right now it's called that, but later it's the same mountain. It's Mount Sinai later on in there. Um, it's going to, I imagine that Jethro, he is called the priest of Midian. The priest of Midian, and which is kind of amazing because that's a God appointed position. God appointed him that position in this area. There's this idea that back then God was only for Israel. There's this culture of, uh, uh, of an almost Jewish tradition back then that God was only for Israel. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Israel was supposed to be a light to all nations so that all nations would come and worship God. That all nations would know the truth. That all nations would know he is the only God. That's it. That's all that there is. And the people of Midian understand that because they're living at the base of his mountain. They're probably seeing every once in a while miraculous signs and, and wonders of who God is as he rests on this mountain. God is for everyone, even back then. There's too much of this idea that God was only for Israel. God worked through Israel 
just like today he works through us, his church. He works through us as his church to reach other people. He works through Israel and the Old Testament to reach other nations. God hasn't changed. God didn't change his motive. It may look a little different, but it's basically the same thing. God is for all people to come back to him. And we see this getting set up here. Coming to Moses as this shepherd of not even his own flock, but his father's. Later in Numbers, it's uh, said that Moses is considered the most humble man ever. But God has seen Moses as the most humble man ever. And we're seeing the beginnings of that already. But here's kind of an interesting one. Moses questions God back. And here's where we really get into something for us, something I want you to take with you. We look at verse 11. Who am I? As Moses questions, who am I that I should go back to Egypt, to Pharaoh, and tell him to bring my people out? Who, who am I to do this task that you ask me? I know many of us, we pretty much ask ourselves that own question. We even say that probably in our prayers to God whenever we feel maybe there's something that uh, is pressing or maybe we feel like um, we need to go do something. How many of you have ever felt that? Who ever thought like, who am I really? Like, who... Who am I to do X, Y, Z? I want you to write down and fill in the blank in the chat. Who am I that I should blank? What is it that you're questioning why you should do blank in your life? What is it that God's calling you to do that you're just like, I? I but why me? Why are you picking me to do that? What is your blank? What is it that I should do X, Y, Z? And I'm going to give you a promise that God has for you is why he's choosing you. Because in verse 12, he answers you. I will certainly be with you. I will be with you. Whatever that is, your blank, whatever it is that you should go do, why am I the one you're choosing to do? Because he's saying, I will be with you. This is his promise to you today. I will certainly be with you. Too often that we think we're going to do something for God, and that's the wrong mentality. We're never doing anything really for him. We're doing things with him. He's never going to sit on the sidelines and watch and see you just do whatever. If he's called you to it, he's going to be there with you through it. If he's called you to it, he's going to be there with you through it. 
you can take that promise to the bank. You can take that promise all the way through. God will be there with you. The other question I want you to ask yourself is not, who am I? But really, you should be saying to yourself, and actually not asking, but reminding yourself, whose am I? Whose am I? Because you're God's. You're God's miraculous creation. You are God's image. You're God's. You are God's miraculous creation. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. Remind yourself whose you are. That's also why he picked you. God searches our heart. He doesn't search our bank of talents. He doesn't search our bank of knowledge. He doesn't search our bank of wealth. He searches our heart. So if he's called you to something, if he's called you to go do something, if he's called you to a, a career or a task, or even if it's something small as to go and give $5 to somebody in some line somewhere and maybe ShopRite or Starbucks or whatever, even if it's the smallest task to the biggest thing in your life, he's already searched your heart and chosen you for that task. And he will certainly be there with you throughout it. I hope that this encourages you to understand that God doesn't make mistakes in his choosing. God doesn't make mistakes in his choosing. And there's almost a level of don't question his choosing. Don't question it. Remind yourself whose you are and the promise that he will be there with you through it. I know some of us have just, we think that, oh, I'm, am I supposed to start this business? Am I supposed to go forth and do X, Y, Z? Am I supposed to ask for that raise? Am I supposed to ask for that promotion? Am I supposed to ask for that different position that's open at the, at the office? Am I supposed to do that? And if you're feeling a prompting to do it, in your heart, and it's not for selfish gain, it's for, it's, you're like, wow, I don't even know why I should be doing this, but for some reason, I feel that God is pushing me that way, do it. Regardless of what really the outcome is, there is something in there that God has for you, and he will be there with you through it. How often and we kind of know the story a, a little bit of already what we what we're going to see with Moses. And so often did uh, time after time after time, he had to repeat and go back to Pharaoh. And God had to keep frogs, river of blood, you know, <laughs> locusts like he just kept hammering them over and over. And how many times do you think Moses was just like. God, I don't, I don't know what you are thinking and questioning. 
But what did he really do? He not only fulfilled his promise in pulling the people out of Egypt, but he also grew the faith of Moses. He grew the understanding that God is with you regardless of the situation. He is there with you through it all. And we see this where Moses is questioning him. He's wondering, like, why me? Why doing all this? Uh, I, I don't understand it. And then he's like, well, what even? He's coming up with some other, like, craziness. He's like, well, what is your name? He's, if you will, he's beating around the bush now. If you will, he's beating around the bush. And yes, Moses does miraculous, wonderful things, but not because he's so great, but because God's so great and because God is that faithful. And God answers, remembers, and fulfills every promise he makes. Too often that we look back and we say many things that Moses did this, Moses did that. And yes, all that Moses did was obey. Moses didn't part the Red Sea. Mar Moses didn't do any, he just obeyed. He raised the stick in his hands and he obeyed. He took his sandals off and he obeyed. He just, he saddled up and went to Egypt and he obeyed. He just obeyed, and God worked through him. There was nothing about Moses that made miraculous things happen except for his obedience. So if you want miraculous things to happen in your life, just obey. Just obey. Whatever God's telling you, obey it. Know that he's there with you. If he wasn't there with him, none of these amazing miracles that we see that walk through Moses' life, starting from here going forward, none of that happens without God being with him. Moses could throw this staff on the ground later on as we read, and as we see in many other chapters, he, it turns into a snake, and then he, uh, and he ushers in all these plagues, and then uh, the parting of this. None of that happens just because Moses is a great magician. It's because he obeyed. Starting here, even though he's beating around the bush, he obeys the bush. He obeys. So I, I hope that this encourages you to just, just obey God today. Whatever he's calling you to do, make steps towards that. And I promise you, he will be with you. I promise you, he will keep his promise. That's probably the most profound promise I can ever make, is that God will fulfill his promises to you. God will never fail. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God has made a way. God made a way for his children to come out of Egypt. 
And God has made a way for our salvation today. Because of Jesus Christ. Because of the burning bush. So just obey. And may God be with all of you and your families. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you this morning for uh, your word. May, may we not be like Moses and beat around the bush when when you call us to things, when you when you prompt us and, and lead our heart and in a direction. And though we may be scared, though we may look at it from a, a, a human worldly point of view of who am I to do that? May we remind ourselves of whose we are and that we're yours, Lord. And if we are your children, you'll never forsake us. You'll never abandon us. You'll see us through to the end. Lord, may we obey you today. May we obey you every day going forward from here. May we not beat around the bush, but just obey the bush. Lord, we just thank you for your son so that we have this ability to even have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Have a great morning, everyone. Take care. God bless. Remember, God is with you.